Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Remember the setting, okay? Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, described, if you will, as best as anyone could, if you recall last week, the throne of God. The throne of God. And every time I think about this, I get I just get chills because I'm thinking, here's the throne. Here's the throne room. And and he uses the word awesome, which is magnificent. And and uh, man, if you remember Ezekiel, Ezekiel was, again, let me just describe the setting. He was taken to Babylon, okay, and at around 25 years old, at the at his 30-year birthday, if you will, instead of becoming a priest like he would have back in Jerusalem, he now becomes a prophet. And everybody goes, oh, wow, a prophet, but... There's going to be some things in here tonight that that you're going like no 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 I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be a prophet right so so Ezekiel comes out there he is he's been in captivity five years you can imagine okay for a second if you will imagine being taken away from everything you knew everything you loved all you just having everything stripped away you're in a foreign land you're in Babylon that's Gentile land that they're this awful they're uh, oh and and there you are and then he has here by the river Kaibar he. He, he gets a vision, and he gets a vision, and he sees these angelic beings, right? We talked about them. They're called cherubims, and these cherubims just blew his mind, okay? And there were these wheels within a wheels that were high, and these rims and eyes all over, and he's just like, wow. But the, the thing about it is if the cherubims weren't enough, they're holding up the throne of God, and here's God, right? Almighty God right there. Whoa, whoa, wait, time out. <laughs> I might have been a priest. I might have been a priest. No, 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 no. Here I have the vision of God. And in and, and Ezekiel, now you've got to grasp this because he keeps using the term likeness, in the likeness, in the likeness, because he couldn't exactly describe. I mean, think about this. The angelic beings, the cherub had four faces. They had four wings, two to cover. They look like a man, but they have hooves and feet. And he's just describing them and how they moved and everything else. And he just goes, this is like, this is like the likeness as best, as best we could. And he did his very best under the circumstances. That's where we left off all of chapter one. And so it goes on in chapters three through five. Guess what's happening now? What's happening now is you have unrighteous Babylon guys, going to judge the once righteous Israel, unrighteous Babylon. And everybody goes, whoa, no, no, no. I mean, Babylon's yucky. They're horrible. They can't judge God's anointed people. They can't. No, 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 he can. And, and, and I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you, and here's what you've got to grasp, that this is his show. This is God's show. You go, Ben, what do you mean? God, almighty God, can use and does use whomever he chooses to do his will. He even used Satan. He even uses the prince of darkness to accomplish his will. So he can and will use unrighteous Babylon to get his will done. Can I get an amen on that? He, he'll use whatever he needs to use. We, You and I don't go, oh, oh, well, well he, he can't do that. No, 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 he can and he does, and even at times. Now, I want you to think about something. Sometimes in our lives, we'll see unrighteous people in places of leadership. 
in high places. And we're like, how do they get there? God Almighty knows he's not surprised and he's going to be using things that you and I might deem going, oh, I would never do that to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And that should put rest in your heart tonight, knowing that God is in control. Now, he's going to use unrighteous Babylon. Remember, there were three deportations. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went in the first wave. Ezekiel is in the second wave, and there he is. And so he's going to use Babylon to judge Israel. Now, what you need to know, and just make a mental note, Jeremiah was prophesying around the same time. They were contemporaries. Ezekiel is in Babylon. Jeremiah is there in Jerusalem. Both are, are, are prophesying around the same time. And so they're going to be contemporaries as they go through. Now, here's what happens. God's going to send Babylon to judge them. But what I find interesting is that after 70 years, they, they get to go home. After 70 years of being in captivity. But the one thing we need to grasp is even though this is going to be a harsh judgment, even though this is going to be something that we wouldn't want to go through ourselves, we have to understand that Israel, if you take note, they never worshipped idols like they did before the judgment. When they came back, they never worshipped idols in that way. Now, Israel itself walked away from God. They don't, they're, they're not serving God like they should, but they are not serving idols like prior to this judgment. You go, Pastor, your point. Well, before we jump in, think about it this way. Sometimes our loving God will judge us to get us to a place where we don't do that anymore, where we don't sin anymore. And sometimes we're like, oh, and that's what we're going to see a little bit of as we jump into Ezekiel. So Ezekiel, leaving us last week, offers this incredible vision. Look at chapter 1, verse 28, just towards the end. He sees this vision. He sees God. He sees the crystal. He sees this giant rumble. He sees lightnings and everything. This is Almighty God. And he says, so when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. Your attention, please. Can you imagine seeing the throne of God? Of course, you would fall flat on your face in worship, in worship. And I think about this as, as this is where he is. He's on his face in worship. Ezekiel. I, can I challenge us tonight, church? Can I challenge us that we don't need to see a... I, I'd love to see a vision like this, but, but, but we don't need to see that type of vision with the cherubim and the wheels within the wheels and the crystal and, and the throne. We know God's there. So by faith, could we worship him that way now? On our face before God? Right? It, it's going to do so. Like, like, like we don't want to just go, oh, God, yeah, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And it's like, no, 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 no. We should, we should worship him knowing that he's God. God. And now picking it up in chapter 2, if you will, Go with me. And he says, and he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me and he set me on his feet and I heard him who spoke to me. Now, I, wanna, I want you to note, this is a, this is a very uh, interesting thing. This is a rare occasion in the Old Testament. You go, what, Pastor Ben? 
that the Spirit actually entered Ezekiel. Okay? When you see something like that, remember, back in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would enter you, but he could not stay in sinful man. He could come about, he go, Ezekiel goes, hey, he came in. I know God was, but, but he didn't stay. It wasn't until Jesus died and rose again, and he says, man, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, you got to understand, the disciples are probably going, no, 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 Jesus, please don't go, right? They're holding on to his feet. They didn't want Jesus to ascend to heaven. I want in him because if they were going to need anything, I need him here. No, no, no. He says, it's better for me to go. And I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And because I died, because I was buried, because I resurrected, and you believe in me, he's now going to live inside you. He's going to come upon you, but he's going to take up residence in you. Ezekiel, probably in heaven, is looking down going, man, I know when he came upon me for a minute. But what is it like to have the Holy Spirit every single day? in your life. You have access to pray and and be led and guided by the Holy Spirit. What is that like? Oh, I wrote it down. I said, and he came upon me. He came, he entered me. And then just a quick note as well. Notice Ezekiel says, and I heard him. He said, I heard the Lord who spoke to me. Do you guys see that? Back in, in verse one, he says, and he said to me, Son of man, stand your feet. I will speak to you. And the Spirit entered me, and he spoke to me. And he set me on my feet. He says, and I heard him who spoke to me. So my question is, like Ezekiel, how do you hear the voice of God? How do you hear God's voice? Ezekiel said, Spirit came in. I know it was God. I know it was God. Well, on Sunday night when we did the college group, man, we talked about this. I said, hey, so, so how do you hear God's voice? Like, like you've got an issue, you've got a problem, you want, you've got something you've got to do. God, please help me. How do I do this? The answers I got that, that, that I found were very interesting is to hear God's voice, there's peace in the process. There's peace. Each, each part of you as you pray, there's peace in your heart. And then they came up and they said, well, not only that, but God's word is going to confirm, is going to confirm that, that what I'm praying about. And, and, and that's what's key. That's what's key. Others said, others, others are going to speak to them and they'll confirm without even knowing the details. Hey, I was praying about you and you know what? I, whoa, whoa. That was so cool. And I'll tell you why. Because when we started to plant this church, when we were praying about coming to Lubbock, Texas, it was so, it'd be so easy for me to go to my pastor and start dropping hints, right? Go Red Raiders, you know what I mean? Whatever it might be. But I didn't. I went to Pastor Robert and, and I said, Robert, I am praying about going to plant a church. And he goes, oh yeah, where? And I go, well, I want God to tell you. I want God to tell you so I know it's him and not me. Because again, I could drop hints. I could leave cookie crumbs all the way going, oh, oh well, yeah, you know what, isn't, isn't, uh, you know, isn't Texas Tech there in Lubbock? Was it Lubbock? You know, I could have done that. I didn't. He went off. He went out to Rio Doso. A dentist owned a house in Rio Doso who lived here and told Robert how awesome it would be if there was a Calvary Chapel here. So he comes back and I'm like, Okay, and he looked at me, and he looked at me, and he goes, Lubbock, Texas, and I went, is that you, God? Of course it's God, and that's exactly, and this is what, this is, guys, this is what, 
what he's saying. So how do we hear God's voice? Well, according to the writer of Hebrews, who says this in chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, God, who various times in various ways spoke in times past in the fathers by the prophets. So he spoke in the Old Testament with the prophets, but he says, has in these days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom he has made, right? The world. So, so we, we, get, we get God's voice through his son, through the word of God, through the word of God. Be careful that we're not looking for signs. Signs. I'll never forget when I was given an opportunity to first uh, preach in a church or Sunday school, whatever it was behind the pulpit. And I really wanted to make sure that God had a calling on my life and that I had a gift to be able to communicate the word of God. So immediately I, I just threw out all of those precious little saints who were old that were going to give you a pat on the back no matter what. No matter how you taught, they were going to go, oh, bless you. That was so good. And, and you just kind of throw, thank you. You just, but we waited for confirmation when the Lord goes and, and people would come up and go, wow, you got a gift. You got a gift. Unsolicited, that's the voice of God. What he puts in your heart. Ezekiel says, I heard him. I heard him. Look at verse three. And he said to me, son of man, I'm sending you to the children of Israel. Why? Well, they're a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. And they and their fathers have transgressed me to this very day. For they are impudent and stubborn children. And I'm sending you to them. And you shall say to them, this is a good to underline, thus says the Lord, because now God's talking, as for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. Do you guys see that? Do you see that? He says, listen, Ezekiel, and I don't know, I got this motion that if, if the Lord's like, hey, Ben, I'm sending you to rebellious, and you can underline it. I say, Lord, send someone else. This is going to be rough. Why? Because notice what he's saying. He goes, listen, whether they listen or not, go. Go. As God is talking about Israel right here, a couple of things jump out. Notice what he says, whether they hear or refuse. Now, let's make it personal. You and I, we have a mission. Our mission is to go out and tell others about the good news of Jesus, right? He tells us, he says, go ye therefore, making disciples, right? Baptizing them, go out and tell people about the good news. He says, many people in our lives, church, will listen and won't listen to the warning of the Lord, to the warning of the Lord. Even today, when you sit there and you go, wow, there's some things you got, you got to be, hey, I see some things. They're like, yeah, we've been, we've been hearing that. We've been, yeah. And you Christians, but he says this. He says this, hey, many of people, many of our friends, many of our relatives, maybe people who are really dear to us are not going to listen even though we continue to speak. Not going to listen. The second thing that jumps out at me, guys, is I wonder if this could be America in these last days in these last days. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. And I don't know, and this is not political at all, but, but because it was the Iowa caucuses 
um, the other day, and it was freezing, and Mike Shaw was is there in Iowa. I texted him and said, hey, how's it going? He goes, well, I'm headed that way now. Anyway, long story short, you guys know the winner. You know who it was declared, but what I found interesting is what happened afterwards. You go, what happened afterwards? Guys, a lot of the media came out against this election, this pre-election, and here's what they said. The election is coming after, here, these are who they're coming after, white evangelical Christians. And it started right now in Iowa. And I thought, now they're starting to target Christians. Well, you see, it's all you. And it's like, wow. Wow. It's, this is supposed to be political. How did it get to, to where they're, they're coming after us? How did it get that way? Because that's what's going to happen. I wonder if America is about to be judged and God's going, hey, listen. And, and, and right away. I mean, I found it interesting. I found it interesting. But let me just say this, if you're taking note, I think we're a baby step away from all believers facing persecution. I think the fact that you say, I am a born again, I am a devoted follower of God, you're going you're gonna to feel some sort of persecution. I think we're almost there. I think we're almost there. Well, it goes on in verse 6, and it says, And you, son of man, do not be afraid, nor be afraid of their words. Check this out. Though, through, though briars and thorns are with you and dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks. Though, why? They are a rebellious house. So again, who's he explaining? He's explaining Israel. Okay? And what does he say? He says, Ezekiel, listen, first and foremost, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Here's why. The first thing they're going to do is talk about you. They're going to talk about you. And they're going to spew, listen, awful, ugly words about you. As a matter of fact, you're going to feel like you're trying to navigate all of this through these thorns and these briars. And this is what I'm calling you to do. And he says, oh, oh, by the way, you're going to dwell among scorpions. Now, what you need to understand, guys, is this doesn't mean scorpions literally. Why? Because the Middle East is full of scorpions. Here's the term. And, and if you're taking notes, he says the scorpions are equal to demonic realm. Demonic realm. And he says, he says look, he says, think about this. He says, you're going to dwell among the, the demons. And, and, and I think you and I today, we're going to see an increase in demonic activity. As we get closer to the return of the Lord Jesus is exactly what he's saying. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of their mean words. Don't be afraid of their hard looks. The Lord Jesus tells us that they're a bunch of rebels. Now, he's talking about, he's talking about unrighteous Israel. What about us? What about us? What about all the things that they're going to say about you, Christian? About your talk, the looks that they give you? It's all here. It's all here, the demonic realm. Verse 7, he's speaking to Ezekiel, says, And and you shall speak my words to them, Ezekiel, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now, when I look, when I looked, he says, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. 
And he spread it before me, and there was writing inside and on the outside, and written on it were lamentations, mourning, and woe. So he's saying, Ezekiel, this is, this is weird. This is weird. Why? He says, don't, don't be rebellious. As a matter of fact, here's what I want you to do. He says, and, and, he, and he has a scroll. Now, you and I have Bibles. We have chapters. But back then, it was the scroll, and he goes, and it was written on both sides. Now, I like the way the New Living Translation says it. It says, and look, I saw a hand reaching out to me. First and foremost, if the vision of God wasn't enough, here you go. You're sitting there going. And, and he says, here's the scroll. And he, and, and he unrolled it, but here's what it said inside. Ready? He said, and I saw both sides were covered with funeral songs, words of sorrow, and pronouncements of doom. Of doom. And so think about this. If you're not afraid to underline in your Bible, underline, go back up here in verse 10 and underline the word lamentations and mournings and woe. This is what he's giving him. This is, this is what he's giving him. Why? Because I want you to see what he says in the next chapter, chapter 3. He says, moreover, he said to me, son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel. So again, I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Now we got to stop. Why? Because this is just a crazy vision. Remember, He's, he's already pronounced, he says, like, Israel's rebellious. It's a rebellious house. Don't be like them. And he says, now, here's what I want you to do. But guys, here's what you need to understand, okay? Because there's some really good application. The voice said to me, son of man, eat what I'm, he says, eat the scroll. He says, then go give the message to the people Israel. <sighs> here's the application. You and I, we need to make it a point to feed upon the word of God. Feed upon the word of God. Now, you ready? All of it. All of it. I promise you, the word of God is going to be sweet like honey. It's sweet. Why? Because it's God's word. You understand, guys, you understand that this is the inspired word of God from God himself to you and I. This is a love letter. But... but there's lamentations in it. There's mournings, there's woe, there's funeral songs. There's all of these. See, if you and I in our church are going to be the best fed, most loved church, we have to teach you from Genesis to Revelation. We can't skip. You know, I love our city and I love the pastors in our city. But I know it's a lot easier to take a step and go, hey, I'm going to just preach on good stuff and good stuff and good stuff and not give you. If I did that, guys, we would be off balance. We would be off balance. If I preached on love, 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 all you need is love, we would be off balance because the word of God is, is, is about love, but it's about, it's, it's about balance. My prayer, you ready? Our prayer is that we would develop a taste for truth, even the hard ones. 
And we're not going to develop that taste for truth unless we are really in God's word. Like, like why would we go on a Wednesday night and talk about judgment? It's heavy. I want to talk about judgment. I want to talk about happy things. I want to talk about, ooh, let's, you know, but, but this is Ezekiel. This is the overview. Guys, feed upon the word of God. Hey, there are many, many great books out there that we can supplement, but you should always eat the word of God and eat it until your belly is full. Your belly is full. Read the word of God. Then he said to me, verse 4, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to say? For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and hard language, whose words cannot understand. Surely I sent you to them. Then they would have listened to you. He's going, listen, I didn't send you to the Gentiles. I didn't send you out there. He says, go share in your native tongue. Now, you guys who know what we're called to do, we are called to have and eat the word of God. But he says, now go out and share. Go out and share. Ezekiel, go share. I'm not sending you, I'm not sending you to the Gentile nation. I'm not sending you to Africa. Guys, what great application for us to go in our neighborhoods to go where we're planted and share the word of God in our native tongue. Just tell them about Jesus. Just tell them what he's done. Tell them how the testimony of the great things that God has done. This is what he's saying. But look at verse 7. The house of Israel will not listen to you. Why? Because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I'm sending you as a prophet. They're not going to listen to you. Your question would be like mine. Why? Why won't they listen to me? You are God of the universe. God, why? He goes, because they're not going to listen to you because they, they didn't listen to me. They're not listening to me. They've got hard hearts. They're hard-hearted. Guys, this is a sad verse. This is a sad verse. Why? Because many people won't hear our message. Many people won't hear it. And we must not be surprised. They wouldn't listen to Jesus even if he came down and he spoke himself. You are blessed that you heard the message of the cross and responded. You're blessed. I remember being hard-hearted. I remember exactly impudent. I remember, oh, don't give me that Jesus thing, man. You're crazy. No, man. No, no, no. I remember when, when the scales fell. It's like, oh, and then our lives changed. Do you remember that? Think of the story, the story of a lady by the name of Diana, 44. She was a retail worker from Yorkshire. She was raised in a Christian fundamentalist home and always struggled with her faith. 
Concepts such as predestination, creationism never made sense to her. Quote, losing my faith was a process of gradual disengagement, she says. At some point, I didn't think that I, as a woman, was made to submit to a man. But the final straw was watching my father die of cancer and trying to do so without pain relief, as it was God's will, while waiting to be healed. I finally admitted to myself that I didn't believe in a supernatural being, and and I couldn't pretend anymore. Today, Diana is an atheist. Thought, I thought that just was... Guys, the Bible says that you and I are to walk by faith, to trust in what we can't see. We know he's there. We know he's working. I don't see it all. I cannot explain it all. I can't tell you why this happened and this doesn't happen. I cannot do it, and I struggle the same way. But I know that we have to believe and we have to walk by faith. If you don't, all it's going to take is just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, and this is who God is, and then you're going to find yourself just like Diana. You're going to be an atheist not believing in God. You have to guard that. Ezekiel, behold, verse 8, I've made a face strong against their face, and your fair forehead strong against their forehead. Like adamant stone, harder than flint, I've made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. The Lord says, listen, they've got strong foreheads, but you've got a strong forehead too. Just, just do what I've asked you to do, Ezekiel. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you and hear with your ears. And go, get to the captives, the children of your people, and speak to them and tell them. Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. Do you guys remember what was happening in Babylon? You had false prophets coming to you, and they were coming to those in Israel saying, don't worry about it, in two years we're going to be back home, just chill. And, and it's like, no, that's not what's going to happen. You need to go to them and say, this is judgment upon your life. You need to understand what's happening and he says, and by the way, they're going to have a hard heart, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to receive into your heart all my words, but I want you to listen through their ear gate and then down in your heart. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell them. I want you to tell them. I want you to tell them either way, whether they listen or not. Whether they listen or not. I want you, church, right now to think, about somebody you've been witnessing to. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody who has huge influence over you. They may not listen to you, but Ezekiel, receive into your heart all my words. He says, and then go tell them. Go tell them. Verse 12, then the Spirit lifted me. And I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another and the noise of the wheels beside them. Remember, this is just this great, he says, man, as they moved, it was thunderous noise. He says, so the spirit lifted me up and took me away. But I went in bitterness and, and the heat of my spirit. You guys see that? He says, I went away in bitterness. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. 
Then I came to the captives of Tel Abib, not Tel Aviv, because we're in Babylon, Tel Abib, who dwelt by the river Kibar. And I sat where they sat, and I remained there, astonished among them seven days. Man, lots going on here, guys. This is so incredible. Why? The first and foremost, here's what you got to jot down, because I think this is so applicable to us. Ezekiel says, I was led by the Spirit. And I think we need to often be led by the Spirit. Why? Here's the difference. We're often led by emotions. We're led by feelings and and we need to be led by God's Holy Spirit. Can I get a good amen on that one? But we have to purpose, God, lead me by your Spirit. Lead me by your Spirit. This is a great one, right? And he goes, oh, and I, and I heard the cherubim, and man, I bet that vision came back. And then I started thinking about this. He says, he says the Spirit lifted me up and took me away. Now, I don't have time for prophecy but if you want to look at this in light of the rapture or Israel being de- delivered during the tribulation, feel free. But understand, I mean, it's the spirit, boom, taken up. Now, I want you to note something else. He says, the spirit took me, but he says something here, guys. So the spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. Guess what you can write there? He was angry. He was angry. He's like, if we would have just obeyed God. Now, here's what you need to jot down. Ezekiel right here has this righteous anger, this righteous anger. Why? Because he is angry at the sin of Israel. You guys see it? He's angry at the sin of Israel. But I feel like the Lord knocks on our heart in time. He goes, are you angry at the sin of in your life. Oh, I know we're sinners, but we should be angry and even just sick to our stomach when we do those things. That's called sin. We should have this righteous anger. Lord, Lord, Lord. Think about this. Till sin be bitter, Christ cannot be sweet. Till sin be bitter, Christ cannot be sweet. And so Ezekiel, guys, notice this. He says, where did he go? The Spirit could have taken him anywhere. Where would you want to go? Lord, I just want to go home. But he says, no, 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 I've got a job for you. Here's what he does. He says, then I came to the captives. There they are. He says, I came to my people. They were captives. The other's ones who were taken away. These are the ones who were, who were being led astray by false prophecy. Why? Because they didn't take the word of God and internalize it. They didn't take the word of God and hold on to it, right? The prophets were coming and going, two years, we're out. And it's like, no, it's 70. It's 70. We're going to be here a while. No, no. And so what he said, he said, I, and, and here they were. I was sitting there and, and, and he says, and, and I sat where they sat. And I remained astonished among them seven days. Seven days. Here's a great, great point in our world to grasp from Ezekiel. What's that? We need to remember where people are at before they come to know the Lord. We need to remember 
they're not like us. They're still struggling. Ezekiel says, listen, this is ministry 101. I I didn't participate in their sin. I came and I wanted to love people back to life. I wanted to see them grow. I wanted to see, he says, man, but but here he says, I'm just, I just sat there. I didn't say a word first. I was just so astonished. I was so astonished. My question to you, my question to me is when we see people who are not saved, people who are unregenerate do something, are we astonished at them or are we angry at them? Oh, you know better. You don't do that. Or we go, wow. Could have been me. I'm, that could have been me. Or I don't. I just sat there with them. I just sat there and I just stayed astonished. Seven days, I just, I wonder if Ezekiel wept with them. These are his people. Ezekiel's getting the vision. Judgment is coming. Verse 16, now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me. Okay, so, so after seven days, God begins to speak. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that some wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet, if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Very, very important, church. Very, very important. Why? Because there have been all of us, probably at this time, that we felt that nudging from the Holy Spirit to tell somebody, and then, and then we missed that opportunity, and they died, and now we feel like, oh, well, now God's going to require their blood. That's not what he's talking about, okay? We've all missed opportunity. Listen, God, God does not put you and I, sinful men, in a place where we have, the, we have the power of someone's eternity. You understand that, okay? He wants to use us, but it's not where it's like, oh, oh, oh. You see, this happened to me. I was the produce clerk there at first supermarket, you know, flinging up all the, you know, all the stuff, and I had a good friend, and he came in, and he was working in the deli. He didn't work produce, but the deli was right there, and uh, his name was David, and David would come in. He's my age. David, um, I drove a red Camaro. David drove a white Camaro. I mean, just we just had things in common. I always felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit to, to, to share the gospel to David. Always share the, you got to share. We're, we're in the back room. The, the door to the deli was just right here. I was often back there. We would often talk. The Holy Spirit starts to nudge. You got to share the good news. I'm young, man. I'm, I, I'm just... And then one day, we got the news. David was murdered in his house. And I felt the conviction. Lord, I didn't, I didn't share. 
I didn't tell him, Lord, Lord. He's telling Ezekiel, guys, he's telling Ezekiel, he says, listen, just go out and warn them. And he says, just, you've got to tell the wicked, you've got to tell those, you've got to warn the wicked from their wicked ways. And we got to be careful because sometimes here's what we do. In warning them, in warning them, people don't want to hear the warning. Sometimes we go, well, I'm not going to say anything because that's weird. Listen, <laughs> I've got a buddy. Um, I've got a buddy that I work out with. And, um, and man, I've been, I've been sharing the gospel with him. I've been telling him. And sometimes, sometimes it's just blunt. I'm like, dude, you need to get saved. And he'll look at me and he's like, well, what does that mean? You know, and he likes to argue. But there are times when, when, when you just, and then there's times it's like, look, I've just got to warn you. There's a place called hell, and if you don't repent and give your life to the Lord, you're going to go there. Oh, and he, he bows up, but, and I mean, we're, we're, I mean, I don't always tell him that, but there are times when it's just like here. Because he tells Ezekiel, listen, if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way and he dies, he says, man, but you've delivered your soul. You did what I've asked you to do. You did what I've asked you to do. And in verse 19, notice that Ezekiel is held accountable. Ezekiel, this is the prophet. This is what I'm asking you to do. Verse 20, and again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which is done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. Okay? Now, one of the things you see, grasp this, verse 20, again, when the righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity... Your attention, please. I don't believe that it's one saved, always saved. Um, when we're saved, we're saved. We're, but I believe, I don't think you can lose your salvation. But here he says, you can leave it. You can walk away from it. You can say, I'm out. And I think God honors that if you don't want to walk with him. Pastor Chuck always used to tell us, once saved, always saved, as long as you abide. As long as you abide in him. But notice what it says. This is the word of God. When a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, so we can walk away. He says, but you didn't give him a warning. Guys, he's telling us. Old Testament says we need to come alongside people and say, hey, hey, are you okay? Come on. If they tell you to go, to go fly, fly a kite, you know, I, I don't want anything to do with that. We're still going to love them. We're going to try to love them back to life. But, but I, I want to stand clean before God. Hey, whatever I need to do. Nevertheless, if you warn a righteous man that the right, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. Then the hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, Arise, go out to the plain, and there. I shall talk with you. So I rose, and I went out to the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there. 
And the glory which I saw by the river Kaibar fell, and I fell on my face. There he is again. And the Spirit entered me, here it is again, and he set me on my feet, and he spoke with me, and he said to me, okay, go shut yourself inside your house, and you, son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go among them. And I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall so that you shall be mute and not one to rebuke them for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, he who hears, let him hear, and he refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm asking you to go do this, and here's the result. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to bind you up. And when you want to want to say something, I'm going to cause your tongue to be on the roof of your mouth. It's not till I'm ready for you to speak. And he says this, and he says, He who hears, let them hear. And he who refuses, let him refuse. Why? For they are a rebellious house. Guys, as we come to chapter 4, now, here's what you need to jot down. Ezekiel now gives us what I call living videos. Living videos. These are living illustrations of a judgment warning, okay? And, And this should get people to take notice. Now, listen, here's how it works. When God begins to speak to you and speak to you and speak to you and he's offering warning and he's offering warning and, and, and so forth and you refuse and you go, no, no, no. Well, then eventually what he does is he moves into solid illustrations so that you can see. So you can see. We stand behind the pulpit, Pastor Soph and, the, and whoever preaches from here, and we tell you the Lord Jesus is coming soon. We don't mean that in 20 years or 50 years or 100 years. We believe the Lord is coming back soon. Based on prophetic, based on everything that's in the world, the things that we see biblically, we believe it could be any day now. Thank you. But you can see through different things that now God is using video, if you will, living illustrations. You go, well, like what? Well, first and foremost... You've seen the increase of earthquakes. You've seen weather patterns that seem unreal. Tornadoes. There was a huge tornado in Florida. We all want to move to Florida when it gets below zero, but, I mean, there's tornadoes there. I mean, out of, out of, out of all of this stuff, and, and, and so people go, wow, that's just, it's just weird. Weather is weird. And I wonder, this is just my opinion, I'm, I'm on the side of the pulpit, it's just my opinion, I wonder if God in some way through weather patterns is trying to get our attention to say, hey, listen up, wake up church, wake up people, I'm coming back soon. I wonder. I wonder through some of the things we see politically, some of the things we see religiously. I saw an article, my friend sent me an article today that the Pope I don't know if you saw that, but Pope um, sort of believes, you got to take the article with a grain of salt, but sort of believes that, that hell is empty, that no one goes to hell based on the grace of God. I, I, I love that. That would be amazing. But that's not true, is it? So, so you go, well, Ben, what, what's the problem? The problem is that he's, he's walking away from the word of God. 
we all want it. We all have our opinion. But I need to stick to the word of God. So these are, these are again, let's take notice, right? Verse 1 of chapter 4. You, shall all, you, you also, son of man, he says, take a clay tablet, lay it before you, and portray a city on it, Jerusalem. Lay a siege against it, build a siege wall against it, and heap up a mound against it. Set a camp against it also, and place battering rams against, uh, against it all around. Moreover, he says, take for yourself an iron plate, and set it as an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face against it, and it shall besiege it, and you shall lay a siege against this, and this will be a sign to the house of Israel. So guys, he's saying, listen, let's just, let's just make this little tiny place and, and show the battering rams and all of this stuff. He's, he's, he's a, people walking by going, Ezekiel, what are you doing? Well, this is what's going to happen. What are you, why are you building this little, this little city? What, what's going on with you? Again, God is showing Israel what's about to happen. But then he gets deeper. Look at verse 4. He says, Ezekiel, lie on your left side that lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of the days you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity according to the number of the days. 390 days you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. So he's saying, lay on your left side 390 days. Now, I don't know how he did that if it was a constant on the left side or he would do it during the day where people can see and it's like, I can't move. But he says, okay, so here's what you do. That, I mean, think about that. That's over a year. Can you imagine walking out every day and seeing Ezekiel laying on his left side every day for 300 and what? 90 days. And when you've completed then, he's like, okay. He goes, lay on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days. I have laid on you a day for each year. Now, if you're taking notes, the 10 tribes of Israel to the north, 10 tribes, 390 years, he's to lay 390 days. Judah in the south was 40 years. So he was to lay a total of 430 days on his side, and I guarantee you that would get someone's attention. I don't know if he laid on his side for eight hours and then got up and went home. I don't know how it was. The word of God doesn't say, but I know this, it's going to get somebody's attention. Can you imagine that there was a guy considered a prophet laying on the, on the concrete every day when you went over to the grocery store and you're like, hey, how's it going? Well, the Lord says there's judgment coming. How, how long are you going to be here? Another 389 days. Are you kidding me? Lost my place here, guys. Sorry. Therefore, you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem. Your arm shall be uncovered and you shall prophesy against it. Surely I will restrain you so that you cannot turn from one side to another until you have ended the days of your siege. I don't know about you, but my wife tells me that I flip-flop in bed all the time. I could not stay one on my left side all the time until God says, that's enough. But then he says something else, guys. Look at verse 9. You shall also take for yourself wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and spelt, and put them in one vessel and make bread of them for yourself. During the number of the days that you lie on your side, 390 days, 
you shall eat it. And your food, which you eat, shall be by weight 20 shekels a day, about six ounces. From time to time, you shall eat it. You shall also drink water by measure, one-sixth of a hen. From time to time, you shall drink. Here's what he's saying, okay? He's just, again, this is a video illustration, if you will, a living illustration. He's telling Ezekiel, you ready? When, when this goes down, food is going to be scarce. Food is going to be scarce. Water is going to be scarce. He says, I want people to see that this judgment is real. It's real. Now, here's what I want you to see. The day is coming when you and I are going to hear that beautiful trumpet sound. And we're going to be hard podzoed out of here. And that's a beautiful thing. But what we need to remember, what we need to remember is... The judgment that's about to take place for seven years, nobody, nobody, nobody should have to go through that. Crazy stuff in the world. We'll, we'll get done here in a minute. Crazy stuff in the world. But guys... I don't know if it's true or not, but this is crazy stuff in the world. They talk about something called an EMP. Anybody hear of an EMP before? Yeah. Some of you are like, I don't know what an EMP, but, but it's crazy stuff. Where again, EMP, and, and they wipe everything out, and we have no internet, and we have no electricity, and we have no, and we have no way of getting food, and we have none of this stuff. And, and I mean, and you go, Ben, 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 calm down, dude. I'm just telling you, I don't know what, what could happen. I do know this. I do know this. This past weekend when it got cold, I got, a, I got an alert on my phone saying, hey, be careful, the grid could go down and you won't, we, we'll shut off your electricity if it gets too high. Turn down your heaters. <laughs> this is the year 2024. What do you mean the grid will go down? I mean, it's cold, right? It's been cold before. Hmm. Hmm. Food is going to be scarce, and it's going to be even brutally worse, brutally worse in the, in the tribulation. Verse 12, and you shall eat it as barley cakes and bake it as, notice, and bake it using fuel from human waste in their sight. Okay, so when you bake this, Take human waste, and the Lord. Then the Lord said, "So, the children of Israel shall eat the defiled bread among the Gentiles, where I will drive them." And so I said, "Ah, oh, Lord God, indeed, I have never defiled myself from my youth till now. I've never eaten what what died of itself or was torn by beast, nor had abominable flesh come over into my mouth." And He told me, "See, okay." Not human dung. I'm going to give you cow dung instead of human waste, and you shall prepare your bread over it. He sort of, he sort of just, Lord, can I appeal? That's disgusting. That's disgusting. And he says, Okay, okay, we'll we'll do this. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, surely I will cut off the supply of bread in Jerusalem, and they shall eat bread by weight with anxiety, and they shall drink water by measure with with dread. 
and they may lack the bread and the water and be dismayed with one another and waste away because of their iniquity. Chapter 5, And you, son of man, take a sharp sword and take it as a barber's razor and pass it over your head in your beard. Guys, you can write here, this is a deep sign of mourning. He says, cut, cut it out. He says, then take scales to weigh and divide your hair. You shall burn with fire one-third of the midst of the city. When the days of the siege is finished, then you shall take one-third and strike it with the sword, and one-third you shall scatter it with the wind, and I will draw a sword after them. Again, this is divine judgment. Verse 3. You should also take a small amount with them and bind them in the edge of your garment. Then take some them, some of them and throw them into the midst of the fire and burn them into the fire. From there, a fire will go out into the house of Israel. And thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of nations and countries all around her. She has rebelled against my judgments by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statues more than the countries that are all around her. For I have refused my judgments and they have not walked in my statues. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have multiplied disobedience more than the nations that all around you and have walked in my have walked in my statutes, nor kept my judgments, have not walked in my statutes, nor have, nor even done according to the judgments of the nation all around you. Therefore, thus says the Lord, indeed, I, even I, am against you and will execute judgments in the midst, uh, in the sight of the nation. Now again, verse 8, guys, I underlined it here because this is not something you ever want to hear from God. Where he says, I am against you and will execute judgments. And I will do among you what I've never done, and like of which I will never do again, because all of your abominations. Therefore, fathers shall eat their sons in your midst, and sons shall eat their fathers. I will execute judgments among you, and all of you will remain, and I will scatter to all the winds. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying things are going to go so bad. The famine's going to be so great that fathers are going to eat their sons and the sons are going to eat their fathers. And, and I believe he means that literally. It's not metaphorically like, oh, it's like, hey, it's going to get bad. This is really bad. The judgment is really bad. And he says, therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable things and with your abomination, therefore I will also diminish you. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. One-third of you shall die in pestilence and be consumed with famine in the midst. One-third shall fall by the sword all around you, and I will scatter another third to the winds, and I will draw out a sword after them. Thus shall my anger be spent, and I will cause my fury to rest upon them. And I will be avenged, and they shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken in my zeal when I've spent my fury upon them. Moreover, I will make you a waste and a reproach among the nations that are all around you in the sight of all who pass by. So it shall be a reproach, a taunt, a lesson in the astonishment of the nations that are around you when I execute judgments among you in anger and in fury and furious rebukes. Notice what he says, I, the Lord, have spoken. And when I send against them, the terrible arrows of famine, which shall be for destruction, I will send to destroy you. 
I will increase the famine upon you, cut off your supply of bread. I will send against you the famine, the wild beast, and they shall bereave you. Pestilence and blood shall pass through you, and I will bring the sword against you. For I, the Lord, have spoken. It's his show. It's his show. I think Ezekiel at this point probably goes, hey, I, I, I want to go back to being a priest. <laughs> I want to just, can we do the temple thing? This is heavy what he's about to do. And this is only chapter, this is only chapter five, guys. We have, we have 20 chapters almost still left of judgment before he judges the Gentile nations. So let's pray. Lord, we come and we think about what you've told Israel and we, we come humbly repenting, Lord. Father, the one thing that jumped out in tonight's teaching is that, Lord, we sometimes presume upon your grace. And I would pray, Father, forgive us. Your grace is beautiful. Your mercy is wonderful. But Lord, you are God. And you have every right to execute judgment. You, throughout this text, have called Israel rebellious so many times. And Lord, that just shares my heart. Because God, I too have been rebellious against you at times. I too have been rebellious against your word. I too have fought with you. Lord, for the things that I want. And so, God, I come and ask your forgiveness. We come collectively, Lord. Thank you for tonight, Lord. And, and Lord, we would just take a moment, Lord, in the time that we have to worship you. And, Father, we may worship you silently. We may sing to you. We may just let all of the word of God soak in. But, Father, just like lamentations and, and mournings and woe, we will eat the word of God till our belly is full. And with sweet to the mouth, Lord, sometimes bitter to the stomach, but we will serve you. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.